He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you just sang it. So if you believe that that's true, then, and he said it, so you believe it's true because he said it, then you believe the other things that he said about himself and about you, right? We have to believe everything that he said. Every, and man, I really want to know, what did he say about me? What did he say about us? What did he say regarding him? What did he say regarding the Godhead bodily? What did he say? So I, wa- I want to know. And here's one thing that I know that he said. And I know you know this too. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am in the midst. There are more than two people in here that are gathered in his name. So that we can have confidence and be assured, if we believe everything that he said is true, if we believe that this is true, that he is here with us. Okay, so now, this has nothing to do with the message. I'm just, just going with the Holy Spirit. Let's be obedient here. So if that's true, and he's here with us, Man, in his presence, things change. They can change. We have to yield ourselves to what? To his love, to him, to the love that we have for one another. Just, just be, be a part of that. Let yourself go. Forget what happened this week. Forget what's going to happen next week. Forget where you're going to lunch today and all that other stuff. But in this moment, let's give him our full attention. Let's continue to honor him and worship him by paying attention to his word by, by hearing his word and, 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 and really trying to ingest and see what he actually says about us. Up here, let's go. All right? Let's pay attention. All right. I'm going to... Uh, listen, I, those of us were together on Wednesday night. It was kind of a unique service, uh, but I think it kind of led into where we are right now. I think we're going to be starting another series. I, I'm, I'm not sure how many weeks, but at least three, I'm thinking. Um, but I'm going to start off by reading uh, in Judges. We're going to start in Judges chapter 13. So please follow me. I'm just going to read a few verses, and you can kind of check all this out later on, and we'll put some verses up for you in a little while. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah, the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. She could not have any children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines." Amen. Let's just pray to him. Father, in Jesus' name, I just give you honor, glory, and praise. I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for being here with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling us, for teaching us, for leading and guiding us. Lord, I don't take any of your word lightly. I know that everything that you've said is true, and I know those things that we've said so far are true. So, Lord, I pray that as we continue, you would reveal more truth to us. Father, that I would not be any factor in this whatsoever, but Holy Spirit, that you would take me, use me. And Father, give us all eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive your truth, that we may be changed, that we may be made more in the image of Christ than when we came. Father, that's that's my prayer, that that we become more like you, Jesus. We want to be more like you. That's what this is all about. So please help us, Lord, as we break your bread. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Let's look at uh, verse 5 together of chapter 13. I don't know. And I did last minute some stuff, so hopefully I, if Mary, it's not Mary, it's me. So, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come to his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So now watch. Where we've been, you know, God has, and this has always been part of this ministry, the aim of this ministry, is so, so that everyone knows that we can come in contact with, especially those in the community, that God has a purpose and a plan. He has a purpose and a plan for us, for all of you, for anybody. Nobody is an accident. If you're born and you have breath in your body, God has usefulness for you. God has a use for you, has a purpose for you. And in this particular uh, scripture here, because that's now, the, you know, if I had to title the, the, the series that we're starting, it's Created and Called by God. And so now Wednesday, we really talked about being called by God, and we'll break that open here in a minute. But I just want you to see, in this, you have the creation from the womb, and then you have the purpose or the call. He's going to deliver his people. So God had a purpose and a call on Samson from the time before he was even created. And then from the womb, we're going to start this thing off because I've I've created this one specifically for this purpose and for this plan. And he feels no differently about you. No, No differently about you and for I. So now, again, let's go back, and and those of you here Wednesday, I appreciate it. We're just going to go back so that everybody can know what you know, and and we all can jump off, but I'm not going to go through everything. I'll just give you some. In Ephesians, this is where we started. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, here's what it says. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing one, one... I'm sorry, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we are all called. And he's saying, walk worthy of this calling with which you were calling, called with. And he's talking to who? Christians. He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to a certain group only of Christians. There are are not only certain Christians who are called. We're all called. And what are we called to? We looked at the word to kind of help us out with this in 1 Corinthians 1-2, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Called to be saints. With who in every place call on the same name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. And remember, I want to point this out, and I won't pick apart every bit because we won't have time. But in this one, as we studied on Wednesday, if you look at that scripture, it's saying all are called to be saints, and he's saying all over the world. Whoever calls on the name of Jesus, you're called to be saints. So who, who does that mean? So now remember, we started at the church of Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. Now he's, he's penning this letter to the church at Corinth. So rare, in and of itself, just looking at those two, we know that it goes for more than just one group of people. This is a, and now in this scripture that we just read in Corinthians, it's saying all who call on the name of Jesus are in this category. So, and he says all over the world. So it's for everybody and not just geography, chronology, all who would call on the name of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him 
who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're called to be saints. We're called to be holy, to be separate and apart for God's use. And we're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? So there's two things that we're called to right there. First uh, Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. As you know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So now we're called into, you know, being separate, being saints. We're called into, come on. You could at least name this one. Come on. Look, we're called into his, we're called into his, his uh, saints, to be saints, separate and apart. We're called into his marvelous light out of darkness. And now look, it says we're called into his kingdom and into his glory, into his status, this different status and stature. We're called to be residents and, and, you know, I'm not a resident. My, I'm, my citizenship is in, in the kingdom of God now. Yeah, I'm an American citizen as it relates to this realm, but I'm really, ultimately, I'm a resident of the kingdom of God. That's my citizenship is, is in his kingdom, amen? Okay, First Peter, back to First Peter now in chapter 5, 10. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ. So now it's this glory, but now there's this eternal glory. It's forever. It's not something that's going to change. It will be for eternity. Second Thessalonians two thirteen and 14. We are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, be loved by the Lord because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. I want to pause here for a minute. How are you set apart? By the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, and belief in the truth. See, my brothers and sisters, why do I keep landing on this all the time? Because, my brothers and sisters, there are a lot of things being preached and taught, but it, does, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all true. I, I, I want to tell you that, and that's why I, it's, it's my job as your pastor to tell you, be careful what you listen to, even from this pulpit. Make sure that it's coming out of here. I'm a man. If I'm giving you my opinion, then that's, that's worthless. What counts is the truth, and there's only one truth. There's only one. And it's by that truth and the Spirit that you're saved. Because if you're believing something other than what is true, you're not going to make it. And you're going to stand before God and you're going to be, listen, you're going to be so let down because you're not going to be able to say, well, I I didn't know. You're not going to be saying, well, I believe this. No, there's one truth and that's what saves you. All right. I'm sorry that I, I had to press on that just a little bit, but man, that's everything to me. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. So we're called to eternal life. All of those things. You say, in Jesus, we're called to be in Jesus. We're called to share in his glory. So you say, all of that is kind of synonymous, but when you think about it from the aspect or from, from, from you know, I, I want to know that it's more than me just being in Jesus. It's that I have this glory, I have this different status, I have this different stature. I want to know that, look, it's important for me to know that I'm called to be a saint. I'm not called just to go ahead and believe in Jesus, sit in church. I'm called to be separate. I'm called to come out of the culture. See, so when someone tells you that it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that, or we see other Christians behaving in that way, we're not to judge. We're not to judge, but we have to know that that's not how I'm supposed to live. Come on now, why? Because I was called to be his saint. And that implies that I was called to be separated out for his usefulness. I was called to be separate. Are are you with me? Not to be the same as everybody else. 
Not to be the same. Jesus didn't die so that you and I can remain. How about this? In darkness. Right? He called us into his marvelous light. Okay, so we're all called. But now let's go back to our buddy Samson here, who was absolutely, there's no question about it. You know, there was a, there, he, he was born with a purpose and he had a calling, a specific calling. So he's born. And we covered that. And so now you go, when you get down to verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, it says that he went down to Timnah because the spirit had already started to move on him now. Now, here's the thing. When you look at these, these three chapters, if you want to read what we're going to preach out of today, it's going to be chapters 13, 14, 15, maybe 16 as well. Somebody help me out. I think it's through chapter 16. But anyway, regardless, you, you read this whole story. So we're going to try and cover quick, and even the Bible itself covers a, a lifetime, a relatively short life, but a lifetime in just a few chapters. So we're going to try and hit the highlights here. Now, he's called by God. He's being raised as a Nazarite. He goes down to Timnah, and he saw a woman of the daughters of the Philistines. This is, a, this is not a, a, a good thing. The, they're being ruled by the Philistines. And remember, God has now called him to deliver them. They were in captivity to the Philistines, or they were under subjugation to the Philistines because they sinned against God. And so now they're under subjugation to the Philistines. He sees this woman. She's a daughter of the Philistines. And so he says to his father and mother, I, I got to have her. That's what, and his father even tries to talk about it. Listen, you know, you, you, isn't there any of the daughters of your own people? You, you need to stay with your own people. But nevertheless, I have to have her. She pleases me well. I got to get her. And so father and mother relent. They go down to Timnah. And as they're going down to Timnah to make this marriage covenant with her parents, um, Samson, he must have kind of gone off on his own a little bit because we do see that later on where he, did, he kind of takes a little different path. He gets off on his own a little bit and he's attacked by a lion. And this lion attacks him and the, it says the spirit of the Lord came on him mightily and he basically tore the lion up with his bare hands. Just rips him and kills the lion with his bare hands. So now, that's done. They go down. They make the deal. After time passes, it says a certain time passed. So what happens is they go down, they make this contract, and usually some months or maybe even a year, it takes for them to then, they're going to go return. They had that engagement. We would, something that we would call an engagement. You know, they have this engagement. So now it could be a few months or a year later, they're returning. They Samson, his parents, they're returning to go ahead and have this marriage feast now. They're going to go ahead and, and, and take care of this. So they go down. They start to have this feast. It's a, then the marriage parties were seven days. They go, they go a week of, of feasting and all this. Now, during the feast, um, what happens was as Samson and his parents are going down, the parents of the bride see them, and they invite some of their companions. I guess, you know, hey, we want some people at our daughter's wedding, so they invite some companions. It says about 30 of the young men uh, attended this wedding, and Samson gets up, and he says, well, I'm going to give you a riddle. He says, and if you solve this riddle, um, I'm going to give you 30 changes of clothing. If, if you don't, you have to give me 30 changes of clothing. So it starts from the first day. And then by the seventh day, they can't solve the riddle. But in the meantime, what they do is they press on um, Samson's uh, bride-to-be. 
hey, tell us. What have you, and they start accusing her. Did you guys just do this just to get some money out of us? Did you just do this so that you can get clothes, so we can make this bet? Is that all you invited us for? So you can win this bet and get, get us to pay you something? Tell us. Tell us what the answer to the riddle is. And so they press her, press her, press her, and then, and, and then they threaten her. They say, if you don't, we're going to burn your, you and your father. We're going to burn. We're going to burn you. And so she presses on Samson. And, then, and she tells Samson, if you really love me, you'll tell me. He says, I haven't even told my parents. I'm not, I'm not, he, no, if you really love me, you'll tell me. So finally, he can't take it anymore. He tells her. And of course, then she tells them. And so they solve the riddle. After she badgers him and, and, and all this. So Samson pays the bet. You know how he pays the bet? He is so enraged and he's so angry. He tells them, I, I like this. Um, basically, he says, uh, you plowed with my heifer. That's <laughs> basically, he says, you got this. He figured out you got this because you badgered my wife or my wife-to-be. You've got that answer, so I'll pay you. So he goes down and he slays 30 Philistines. It says, the Lord, the, the, it says that the Lord came mightily upon him. And when the, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, he slain 30 Philistines, he got their clothing, and he went back up and he paid the debt. But he was so enraged that he goes back to his father's house. When he goes back to his father's house, I guess some time passes, and um, uh, he goes, now I guess he's not so angry anymore, he's a little bit soothed. So he goes back to his father-in-law's house to try and get with his wife. And his father-in-law says, hey, I thought you hated her. I gave her, I, she's married to the best man. I gave her to your best man. He says, listen, why don't you just go ahead and marry my younger daughter? Isn't she better anyway? <laughs> and Samson is, again, he's, he's absolutely enraged. And now he says, now I'm going to take care of some business here. I'm going to give you Tony language. I'm going to take care of some business here. And what he does, he, he, he takes uh, 300 foxes. And he ties their tails together and lights a torch between them. And he sets them loose. This is during the time of wheat harvest and so what he does when he does this these foxes let loose and it destroy it burns up all of their crops it burns up everything so now the philistines are extremely angry and so what they do is hey what happened who caused this what happened so the word on the street is it was the because of that father and that daughter they they messed up samson and gave her to somebody else so now you know he was angry and this is what happened so what they did was, they, the Philistines, they burned the father and the daughter. They burned them because they caused this thing to come on them. Samson sees that, you know, understands that they've been burned up, and so now he's got it in his heart. He's going to take revenge. After he takes revenge, I mean, he goes down there and he, he kills them. He slaughters them. It says, it, it, what he says basically, he slaughtered them. He went down there. He was so enraged, he just started slaughtering the Philistines. And he did that, and after he did that, he fled to a cave in Edom, which is close to Judah, or in Judah. Now, the Philistines understand that he's there, so they occupy Judah. They press up in Judah, and they're, way, they're, trying, to, they're trying to catch him. So now what happens is the men of Judah, about 3,000 of them, they, they know where Samson is. They go up there, they say to they, Samson, what have you done to us? We're in subjugation of these guys, and here you are, you've, you've, you know, you're, you're bringing this to us. So they, they cut a deal, and Samson says, listen, I'll let you bind me, I'll let you arrest me, 
but you can't kill me yourself. And they agreed. So they put two new ropes on Samson. They take him out from the rocks. And as soon as they get him out of the rocks, and they st- then the Philistines, they, they want to attack. Samson, it says he broke the ropes like they were flat, like Fred. Just snapped the ropes like they were nothing. And he picked up a donkey jawbone. You guys remember this from Sunday school. You, he picked up a donkey jawbone and he started killing Philistines. He killed a thousand of them. After he killed a thousand Philistines with one. See, now I want to tell you all something. You know, when we see these big fights on TV and everything and you got one guy and he's taking on a bunch of guys and they're coming at him one at a time. They're taking turns to get to him. That's, that's not real. These guys weren't taking turns coming after, and his men weren't helping him. His, his Judean, they were already chicken. We already know what their attitude was. They were out to go, hey, man, you're bringing this upon us. They, so they're watching. I guarantee you, they, none of them lifted a finger to help. And he is not taking on these Philistines, one Philistine at a time. He's, he's whooping them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he whooped them. All right? We get that picture? A thousand of them. So now... That's done. That's taken care of. So now he goes down to Gaza. And when he goes to Gaza, he finds a harlot, a prostitute. And he spends time with this prostitute. This is a man who is a Nazarite. So already we see some of these things. This pattern of his life doesn't fit this pattern that he's supposed to be living according to. He's not living according to the call. And there's occasion when he's fulfilling the purpose of God. And we know too because God uh, puts his spirit on him to accomplish these things that he's accomplishing at certain times. No question about that. So now he's in and the people in the Philistines understand where he is. So they're camped out. And they're waiting for him in the morning so that when he leaves, they're going to get him. And he's in a walled city and it's gated. Samson knows that they're waiting for him. So here's what he does. At midnight, he goes out, he gets the gates of the city and he pulls them right out of their posts and he carries them away. That walled city with the gates could not hold him. And he walked and he went away. My brothers and sisters, that's pretty strong stuff. That's, that's, that's pretty strong. Samson, it's not, when I say strong, I mean, that's probably a bad word. I mean, obviously he's strength. And I'm not speaking to the strength, the physical strength that he has in his body. But, you know, the, the, the whole picture, everything about this. You know, yes, the strength that the Lord gave him. But no, you know, the implication and the strength and everything that's behind the cause of God. The very cause of God was to free or to get his people out from under the shackles of the Philistines, to get them out from underneath the subjugation. That was God's purpose. But this whole time, and he called this man to do it. So we find eventually he ends up now uh, with Delilah. Right? He just sees another, and he, he has to, and this is, not a, this is a Philistine woman. And so he's, he's madly in love with uh, Delilah. Now, he spends some time with Delilah and the Philistines see what that he's doing and they make a deal with Delilah. You know, tell us what the secret of his strength is and we're going to pay you. So right from the very start, she starts working him over. If you re- Tell me, what is the secret to your strength? What is the secret? And, and at first he tells her, well, if I'm tied with, uh, you know, seven fresh bow strings, uh, 
Yeah, that, that would, I'm done. That, that will take away my strength. I'll be just like every other guy. So while he's sleeping, she ties him up. And she says, hey, the Philistines are upon you. He snaps them like they're not even there. Then she says, hey, you know, you lied to me. What, well, tell me, what's the, well, I've got to be bound with uh, new ropes or whatever that second thing was. I think it was new ropes or certain ropes. She, she does that. The Philistines are upon you. Boom, snaps him, no problem. Then she says, man, you've lied to me. And, you know, you're making a fool of me and blah, blah, blah. He says, well, if you take seven locks of my hair and you weave them in with the loom and that braided fabric there, uh, and, and I'm st- that'll, that'll do it. Then I'll be weak just like everybody else. Now, I want you to notice something. He got a little closer, didn't he? Now, he got a little closer, my hair. If you weave my hair into this, so she went ahead and did the same test. The Philistines are upon you. We know what happens. He just busts out, and that's that. So now she's on him. She's nagging him. You don't lo- if you, how could you say you love me, and, and you, you, you keep lying to me, you're mocking me all this time? Really, tell me, what is the secret? I need to know what the... And so he tells her. It says that he poured out his heart to her. And I'm thinking, Samson, you've got to be the stupidest guy who's ever lived. Don't you? I, I'm going to remember when we start getting into this now. All you not shaking, yeah, I'm going to remember that. And yeah. but think about that. So what she does is she lulls him to sleep. The Philistines come in, they take off his hair, and he's done. They gouge his eyes out, and they make him grind. He's he's pulling the thing, and he's grinding the the wheat. To make it flour, he's grinding in the mill. They treat him like a like an animal. See, I, I love in Samson's early years. It says in the end of chapter thirteen, it says that the spirit began to move on Samson. So now let's let's go back. Remember now, he's t- from from before he was even born. He has a call. He has a purpose and a plan. His mother is not to touch anything. She can't eat grapes. She can't drink wine. She can't drink any alcohol. Listen, right? She's, she basically has, she can't touch anything unclean. She basically has to live uh, like a Nazarite herself. And then, my, man, it's just, it, it's an awesome thing. But I think it, it begins there with Manoah and his wife, or Manoah and Samson's mother. Well, what do you mean, Tony? Glad you asked. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife, Samson's mother. She was barren. Remember, she couldn't have any kids. And so the angel of the Lord appears to her and says to her, you're going to have a kid. Remember, we read it just a little while ago together. You're going to have a, ba- you're going to have a son, and this is what you're supposed to do. She runs back to Manoah, and she says to Manoah, this is, I don't know who he was or where he came from. I didn't ask him, but he was kind of angelic, and this is what he said to me. So, so you know what Manoah did? Manoah prayed to God. Manoah prayed. And he said, Lord, bring this man back. Let him appear to my wife again. And guess what? He appeared again. And as soon as he appeared to his wife, Samson's mother, Samson's mother ran back to Manoah and said, he's here, come come on. So now he says, Manoah says to the angel of the Lord, which was Jesus, he says to him, are you the man that spoke to the woman? He said, I am. 
And he says, well, tell me, how is it that we should raise our son? What, what's, what, what should we raise him by and what, what is he to do? And the Lord repeated the calling and, and, you know, he's to be a Nazarite and all that. So here's what Manoah said after that. Let it be done like you said. He said, amen. See, look, what am I saying to you? See, it was just as much a calling on Manoah, I believe, and because we know that he, he obviously had some kind of a relationship with God, he had some kind of knowledge of the law of God, and he adhered to it in some form or fashion, because when his wife was visited, he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered. Come on now. He prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered. And he appeared. And then when the Lord said what he had to say, Manoah said, let it be just like you said. And then he said, let us have, let us have a meal together. Let it, let's eat. Let, let me get for you a kid of a goat. And, and he said, no, no, no. I can't, I, I'll let you detain me, but I'm not going to eat with you. And so they may, he said, but you make an offering to God. And so they made the offering. And when he made the offering, the Lord went up with the flame of the offering. And so when they saw that, Manoah says to his wife, we're going to die now because we just saw God. But I left one part out, and this is important. They asked what his name was. And he says, why do you ask me what my name is? Because you won't understand it. It's too wonderful. Now, there are some people who don't believe that that was God, that was Jesus. There's no question about it that it was him. No question. God appeared to them. So I want to start here. Young parents, old parents, guardians, grandma, grandpa, we have a responsibility. We know, listen, we know that we're supposed to raise our children in the fear and abnomination of the Lord. But what does that mean? But if we can really grasp in our minds and really look, not just have this paternal or maternal love or just these instincts, but if we really understood that everybody is born with a purpose and a plan. Everybody, your kids are not an accident. Why do sometimes we treat them that way? Do you make your kids go to school? Yes. Do you make them go to church? Sometimes. Do you make them learn math, history, science? Yeah. Do you make them learn the Bible, the Word of God? See, my brothers and sisters, even your little Brockmorton was planned and purposed by God. Even your little Brockmorton, your little Cynthia, whoever she is, even that little person that causes you heartache and heartbreak sometimes... That person is not just an accident, not just here to fulfill your dreams or fulfill their own dreams. That little person has a purpose and plan upon them by God. And my brothers and sisters, we need to start treating them like that. And there's some of us 
in this room, we know that there are calls on our lives and we know that we know people that are something, God has something special planned. And some of you know it. And here's my problem. If you know that, then you need to start acting like it. Don't think that you can live like, or you should be able to live like everybody else until you get to adulthood and then think, well, now my work for God starts. No, you don't have to go ahead and experience what they're doing out there while you're young and think, well, I've got, I'm going to go ahead and live a little bit before I get there, because when I get there, then it'll be all about His will. No, right now, it should be about His will. Be, be preparing yourself right now for that work that He has for you later. Oh, and by the way, when you're preparing yourself right now, you're going to also be influencing those friends around you now. God may have a call on you. You think that God may have a call on your life, and that's for later on, some down the road. No, if he's called you, you're called from the time. Listen, we're, we're, remember the scripture, 13.5, from the womb. From the womb. Hallelujah. It starts with us as parents and guardians and grandparents. It starts with us. It starts with us. Manoah and his wife, they, they, they knew he was supposed to be raised as a Nazarite, but what happens? I see something. I want that. Oh, my gosh. And they, and they relented. They let him do it. My brothers and sisters, sometimes we let our kids do things because it's easy. It's easy. It's not going to cause us a hard time. Well, everybody else is on the phone all day long. Everybody else is playing these games. Every, I used to hear that. I think every generation, well, you're the only one that doesn't let his... I heard that all the time. You're the only father that doesn't let his... You know, no, I'm not the only one. I'm just the only one that you have. Come on. Man, oh man, am I the only parent in this room that's ever heard anything like that? Sometimes you've got to be the only one. And as a parent, and as a parent under God, you better be willing to accept it and go with it. Because remember, that young person doesn't really belong to you anyway. They were just loaned to you. That's God's creation. God has a purpose and a plan for them. Amen? Boy, he's a little bit subdued in here today. I know that was hard, but it starts with us as parents, as guardians. You know, I went to that memorial service yesterday, and there were a couple of pastors that said a couple of things, but there's one thing that Pastor D said that I really appreciated. He made all the people, all the men who, were, who claimed to be born-again Christians, he said, stand up if you're a born-again Christian, if you're a man in this room and you're a born-again Christian. So uh, the room was filled with a lot of people who claimed to be born-again men, and they stood up. And he put it to us. It's your responsibility to change what's going on out here in the streets. If you're born again and you, man, if you're, if you are God's called person, then it's up, it's only going to change if we make it change. And for us to call ourselves born again believers and not do it, I thought that was so great when he did that okay samson he has this he has issues he has issues he's supposed to be a nazarite but the nazarite he has an obedience problem 
He hasn't beat him. Let's go back, Judges 13, 5. Before behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. He shall begin to deliver his out of the hand of the Philistines. So he's to be a Nazarite. But, but right off the bat, one of the first things, he sees a Philistine woman, he wants to marry a Philistine woman. That goes against the law. She's unclean. You can't do that. They already have the law of Moses. They know what they're supposed to be doing and not doing, as it were. God has made it plain. Then, not only that, he's marrying someone who's unclean. He's not supposed to marry. But now he's throwing this feast. Seven days of partying. I love it so much when my young brothers tell me that they can hang out and they don't have, they're not going, they're not taking part in some of those things that's going on around them. Yeah, right. So I've, I doubt very seriously this seven days of feasting and, uh, you know, Samson wasn't enticed to do something that he shouldn't do at that feast. I can't prove it. I wasn't there. But come on. And look, if we don't know anything else, let's just take this for us. Remember 1 Corinthians? We just... Uh, spoke about it among ourselves not too long ago, 1533. You know what? Corrupt company corrupts good character. You become who you hang with. So he had this problem. Remember this too. He went back to the carcass of the lion. Now, I'm no expert in Judaism, but I think it's, it's definitely against uh, the, the vow of the Nazarite to go to a dead body. He's unclean. And if you go to a dead body after, after it, you're supposed that's your vow is broken, you've got to shave your head and you start all over again. But are you with me? Come on, just follow me a little bit. I know these details might be boring you, but please follow me. He had an obedience problem. He was supposed to be separated. He was supposed to be, listen, the vow of the Nazarite was you come out from among the rest of them. There's something different now. There's something different about you, the way you act. There's something different about what you're able to do or what you are willing to do. You're aligning your will with God. You're getting closer to God. You're, you're obeying these principles and precepts of God. Come on. Aren't we called to be saints? Aren't we called to be separated? I know that we haven't taken any vow. Listen, I, I, if, if, if growing my hair out long would make me strong like Samson, I'd be doing it. Ain't going to happen. I don't have that call. I'm not called to deliver my people from the Philistines. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I am. Because the Philistines represent the enemy's camp. I've got some people in here who need to be delivered from the enemy's camp. I've got some young people in and out of here that need to be delivered from the enemy's camp. That's all of our responsibility. We need to be doing it. Oh, but you know, I won't even go there. Father, help me. He went back to the carcass of the lion. Another thing, he had problems obeying the word of God. Anybody ever had that problem? He had a pride problem. He had a pride problem. Judges 14.8, after some time, when he returned to get her, his wife-to-be, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. Well, what is that pride? Why did he go back to go and see it? 
Did he want to go and see his trophy? Look what I did. It sure does. Was he going back just to look at his trophy? Why did he go back? See, and he had to leave the path. Him, remember, they were going down to, to, to consummate this marriage. And they're going down, and, and he left the path. It says, literally, he left that path that they were on. He went and changed path a little bit. He changed his course a little bit. I think there's something to be said in that to us. Man, the path that we're on, that, that, that we started on, is the path that we need to stay on. We can't be enticed by these other things to leave the path. Well, you guys, <laughs> it's a little warm in here, isn't it? Enticed to leave the path by his own pride. He wanted to see the trophy. And you know, I really do understand, even though I'm not a, an expert in the law of Judaism and all that, but if, if it was okay for him to take the honey from where he got it from, why didn't he tell his mom and dad where he got it from? It would have been wrong. I really believe that. Okay, so he has this pride problem. So look at this. He says this riddle. He tells this riddle. When he told this riddle to these 30 guests, did he think they were going to get it? No. He didn't think they were going to get it. He's smarter than everybody else, don't you know? He's the one that killed the lion. He knew where he got the honey. He knew, because, so, you know, the riddle was uh, the eater gives something to eat and something sweet comes from whatever. I can't remember anymore. But anyway, it was something like that. So it had everything to do with the lion and the honey that he got from the lion. And so he, he, they didn't know that. And he's the smartest guy in the room. You know anybody like that? Don't look at me when you shake your head yes. Seriously. Do you, man, I know people that, man, they know everything about everything. Don't, don't talk to them. Don't tell them nothing. Just prideful. And if you, do, if you want to tell them something, forget about it. They're going to get mad at you. Why? Because you're damaging, you're bruising their ego. You're hurting their pride. My brothers and sisters, that not, that, that, that's not how we're supposed to be. As born-again believers, we're not supposed to be like that. As a Nazarite, he should not have been like that. So what's the result of that riddle? When they get the riddle, he not only gets mad at them and not only goes and and slaughters 30 uh, Philistines to get the payment, he gets mad at his wife. For telling, he's so aggravated with his wife that he doesn't even go through. He leaves her at the altar, basically. Why? Because his pride, his ego is so damaged. So he leaves her for a time. How about this? Judges 14, 19. The spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. He went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men and took their apparel and gave changes of clothing to those who explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused and he went back up to his father's house. See this petulance. You know, he's so angry that he cannot even go back to his wife. He, he goes and lives with his father again. Here, how about this? When he slain the, Palestine, the Philistines with the jawbone, after he did that, 
There was, remember, there was a thousand of them. He, 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 he made this little poem. With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain 1,000 men. Who slain him? I did. Know what it says? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he slain them. You know, let's contrast him with somebody else who was a man after God's own heart. When David went up against Goliath, the first thing he said was, I'm going to be okay here because God delivered the lion and the bear to my hand. He gave credit where credit was due. He didn't say it was me who took care of the bear and the lion, so now I'm going to take care of this giant. He said, no, just like God took care of the bear and the lion, God is going to take care of this giant. Come on now. See, you're not getting it. I could t- you're just sitting there like, you, you can't wait for this to be over with. And I'm telling you something that is so powerful, and you're not getting it. I'm telling you something right now. Man, if we would just give God credit, if we would just get out of our own way, live separate, man, the Holy Spirit is looking to bombard us with power. He's looking to bombard us with knowledge, with blessing. Samson had a lust of the flesh problem. Man, he saw that Philistine girl in Timnah. And he told his mom, I got to have her. I got to have her. Saw her with his eyes and he had to have her. Sees a harlot in Gaza, has to have her. You know, look at in Judges 14, in verse 1, it says, Now Samson went down to Timnah, saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. He saw her with his eyes. Verse 3, this is what he, t- he's, and he's even a little disrespectful to his parents. Because his father says, look, there are so many other women. Can't you just marry a woman that's of your own people? And, and he says, get her for me. Get her for me. Doesn't reason. I want what I want, and I want it now. Come on. What do you do when your kids do that? How do you feel when your kids do that to you? I want what I want. I'll give it to me now. I, come on. Has any, you want me to let the kids speak up? Come on. Right? So we're going to do that to God? Get her for me. She pleases me well. Get her for me. She pl- See, she pleases me. It's about me. What pleases me, how I feel, what makes me happy. Judges 16.1, he saw the, the harlot at Gaza. Judges 16.4, afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. What are we willing to do for the things that we want? See, maybe your problem isn't that you lust after someone from the opposite sex. Maybe it's same sex. Maybe it's things. I want to have, have a big house. I want to have a car money. I got to have this. I got to have that. And what are you willing to do to get that? And look, look, what see, man, this is, this is coming down so heavy. I, you could feel this heaviness. Why? Why? Haven't we had any time in our lives where we've compromised, where we've done kind of a Samson thing? It, it, it was either the pride of life lust of flesh, or we just were disobedient. We knew, but we did what we wanted to do anyway. Hallelujah. 
16, 16 and 17. Judges 16, 16 through 17. Here's what it says. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul, this is Delilah now, was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Remember the lesson. Remember the preaching. Remember the teaching. Man, you act like mere men. When you do certain things, when you do what they do, you're acting like a mere man or a mere woman, a mere human. And God has called us out of being mere humans. God has empowered us to be other than to be supernatural. Not to be like the natural man, but to be supernatural. He's empowered us to do that. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his word. That was his belief, him being Samson. If they cut my hair, I'll be like every... See, I want to say something. When you were kids and then even later on, you know, you, you see all those pictures of Samson and he looks like Pastor Tony, all muscular and all that kind of stuff. Well, at least I've got two people listening. I've seen one smirk and I've seen one laugh. At least I've got two people. I just did that to see if you were listening and now I know you're not listening. You know what I mean? Just all bulked up. He didn't look like that. I'll bet you he just looked like the average guy. I'll bet you he looked just like the average. He probably was good looking. He didn't get any girl he wanted to, it sounds like. But, but my brother and sister, are you hearing me? He was probably just an average built guy. It was the spirit of the Lord that came on him. It was the purpose and plan that God had for him. If you do this, I'm going to do that. I have a purpose and a plan for you. You're going to be raised like this and my, spirit's going to, my spirit is going to come over you and going to supernaturally charge you to do things that I've called you to do. Whew. You know what's good? If he would do that for Samson in the Old Testament before the... Listen, he'll do that for you. That was before the spirit of Jesus came down and, and, and indwelled in us. It was before the spirit of Jesus came, was everywhere and everyone... It, it was before Jesus died and went to heaven and gave us a different dispensation. It was before that. So my brother and sister, he had something, and we have it. We have it available to us. We're called to this glory. We're called to this new nature. We're called to all of these blessings. My brothers and sisters, man, we, why are we taking advantage of it? We're selling out for stuff. Pride of life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. We're, we're selling out. We, don't, we just don't want to be obedient to God. We still got to be the God of our life. We can't listen to somebody else. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want. Oh, come on. I want, oh, man. And we're, so we're selling out. But now, when we get to this Delilah part, I mean, this is like, to me, the culmination. Now, it says that Samson ruled or he judged Israel for 20 years. What the heck kind of judge was he for his people? What could he judge? He was doing wrong things. He wasn't obedient to God. God, God still used him in certain situations. But you know what I noticed? When Sa- When Samson prayed for the water that he needed after he slew those thousand people, God answered. God answered. There's still this grace, even then. There's this grace of God that he's willing to go ahead and and, and give us a little bit, but you better be fulfilling the purpose and plan that I've called you to. And so now we get to this Delilah part, and I just can't understand. She's basically telling him what she wants. I want to bind you. I want to bind you up. I want you to lose your strength. I want you... She's basically telling him. 
And so each step of the way, he gets closer with that last, almost, the next to last step, he gets closer. He says, he indicates his hair. If you weave my hair in with that, if you weave my, so he's getting closer. He's being broken down. My brothers and sisters, I believe we're being broken down. The culture is wearing on us. Our kids wear on us. Our, you know, the, the enemy of our soul is wearing on us. Amen. Thank you. He's breaking us down by the words we hear, by the things we watch. Man. And, and, we, and you know what happens? We keep going back to it. And then we let our kids get involved in it. We let our kids see it. We let our kids hear it. We let our kids, remember, we let our kids do, get on every social media thing and they're out there and there are so many people who are predators. And I'm not just talking about the sexual predators. I'm not just talking about those. I'm talking about the spiritual ones. I'm talking at the one, about the ones who are trying to get to your kids and my kids' minds to get them to think a certain way, to believe a certain thing that is not the truth. And if our kids will believe anything other than what's true, they cannot be saved. Yeah, but I, you know what? If I, te- if, I, if, I, if, I, if I correct my kids all the time, they're not going to like me. And, you know, well, do you love your kid? Yes. I said, do you love your kid? Yes. Man, I only got three people that, that love their kids in here. Do you love your kid? Amen. You ain't cooperating. Why are you being stubborn right now? Jesus. Why? Hallelujah. You don't like the message, so you're going to sit there and you're not going to say anything when I ask you if you love your kid? Do you love your kid? Well, if you love your kid, you won't let them die and go to hell. If you love your kid, you're going to have to go ahead and make some decisions. And you're gonna, That doesn't mean that you browbeat them. That doesn't mean that you, you, you get all pharisaical on them and you just become the Pharisee of your house and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. No, love them, but love them enough to teach them the word of God. I got a better one. Love them enough to live it yourself. Boy, boy, did you, man, love them enough to live it yourself. They'll listen to you if you're doing it. They'll listen better. So, but Samson is appearing to be gullible, but he's getting worn down. And you know what? What is it about this? I mean, he, he just, he knows what's happening. It's almost like, you know, you, you know you're, gonna, you're in the middle of something bad, but you just can't leave it. Why? Because his pride, the lust that he has, I mean, it just won't let him get away from this. And it's trying to kill him. It's trying to kill him. The things that we end up getting involved in, it's, it's not designed for our good. It's designed to kill us. Amen. But God, God has called you. He has a purpose for you and a plan for you. And he'll never leave you, forsake you. And so he's always there, just like he was there for Samson. So when Samson cried out to him, when, hey, I'm about to die. I, I just killed all these Philistines, but now I'll be weakened. I'll, I'll die. They're going to take me because of lack of thirst. I mean, because of lack of water, because of, I'll die of thirst. But God answered in that moment, even though he hadn't been living up to the full potential to that point, God answered him. He cried out to God and God answered him. Oh man. So he's a but look at these 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 all of these elements under Delilah, it's like they all culminated in one little spot. He was arrogant. So is there any way that you know they're gonna take me anyway? 
You know, even if she knows my secret, or, or, you know, are they really going to take me anyway? So he told her, her his heart. Did he really think that he was going to die? Did he really think, no, you know, I've, I've survived this long. Eh, maybe it's not that. It's, you know, it's a little bit of God, but it's a little bit of me. Come, come on, are you hearing me? Well, we can, you know, maybe if one person knows, it's not going to be that big of a deal. You know, maybe, maybe I could trust this person. You ever trust the wrong person? You ever trust the wrong person? Proverbs tell us, don't tell your heart to anybody. It's a fool who opens up and tells people everything. Was he just totally blind by his own sin and passion? Probably. Have you, you know, you, you, you're, have you ever heard that uh, saying, love is blind? Love is blind. Lust is blind. Lust is blind. You'll forget about some good things when you see something. And I'm not talking about just physical relationships here, y'all. And there were a lot of people that lost a lot of houses because they bought things they could not afford. I've got to have that house. I've got to have that other car. I've got to have this. It's still happening. I've got to have, want to have, got to have. Then they get it and they can't afford it. Why? Well, they had to have it. They, they all thinking. Just write down. If you're not taking in more than you're spending, you can't afford it. Right? I mean, that's simple math. My wife's an accountant, thank God, but even I would be able to figure that out. If you're, if you're spending more than you're taking in, it ain't going to happen. Lust is blind. And then we let our passions get the best of us in that moment. He was so petulant. He was, you know what? He, it's like he, if he didn't get his way or something went wrong, come on, he was a different person. Get her for me. Or those guys hurt his pride and his ego, so he acted out of, his, out of his emotion, out of his passion, and he killed out of emotion and passion. Sometimes it was of God. My brothers and sisters, we shouldn't be that way. Do we ever do things in the heat of a moment? Have you ever said anything because you were mad at somebody, your spouse, your, your sibling? Have you ever, in the heat of the moment, the passion gets the best of us? No. But here, I'm going to give you, I'm going to leave you with some good news today. Being you guys are so quiet. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump down to um, Samson's restoration. They, re- they went ahead, anyway, the, they went ahead, they being the Philistines. Uh, when she lulled him to sleep, they cut his hair off and then that was it. They bound him up, plucked his eyes out, and they made him grind at the mill like we talked about. And, um, you know, then they were having a party one night and they took him, verse 21, then the Philistines took him and uh, they took out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. I'm going to pause here. Now, the Bible is indicating something here, right? His hair began to grow again. Do, we, do you honestly believe that it was the length of his hair that gave him the strength? No. No, that was part of this, this devotion, this, this Nazarite vow, this vow to God. So I think when the Bible says this to me, you know what I'm thinking? I think finally in the middle of his situation, he starts to remember who he is. 
he starts to remember the call that he had on his life. He starts to remember that God had purposed him for something totally different than what he's in the middle of right now. Verse 23, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they totally mocked him. They used him as like a circus clown. And they did this in the temple of their God. Totally taking someone who was supposed to be uh, have a purpose and a plan for God and they're using it for, to, to uh, amuse themselves in the presence of their quote-unquote idol God. I'm going to jump ahead to uh, verse 28 in chapter 16. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me. You know what? If I were God, I said, I never forgot you. You forgot me. I never forgot you. You forgot me. But now you're calling out to me, so now you remember. See, his hair started growing. Now I remember. Now I remember. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord God, remember me. I pray, strengthen me. I pray just this once, O oh God, that I may be with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on right and one on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines and he pushed with all his might on the temple and the temple fell on all the lords and all the people who were in it so the dead that uh, so that he killed at his death those they were more killed at his death than in his life so my brother and sister this is awesome stuff why that's so such a sad story no think about that he remembered who he was He remembered. His hair started growing, but he remembered that he was a child of God. God had a call. God purposed and planned something for him. Man, we got to make sure our young people know that. We got to be reminded of ourselves. Ourselves, we have to be reminded of it. We have a purpose and a plan. God has called us. Remember that. Let that be our influence on everything that we do. But you know, when I see uh, Samson like that, it causes something to me. To, to, he, he, he got victory. He got restoration. How did he do it? The mercy of God, prayer, and by his own death. By his own death. By his own death? Yeah, by his own death. Second Timothy 1, 8 through 10. We're almost done. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Young people, don't be ashamed wherever you are. Old people, don't be ashamed wherever you are nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. He saved us and he called us with a holy calling. We're to be separate. We're not to be like them. Not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Jesus Christ before time began. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Remember, remember you older saints, remember that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? My brothers and sisters, you know what? The best is yet to come. We have promises and we have an inheritance, but we must remember we are called with a holy calling. 
Do not forget, do not sell short for some pleasures down here. Do not sell short for what seems good here. Read this word you see and understand. Remember, what am I going to remember? You know what I remembered? I started to say it a moment ago. When I picture Samson between those two pillars, I, I see him stretched out. His arms stretched and he's about to die and he knows it. Reminds me of someone who stretched out their arms for me. Samson stretched out his arms to die. He knew, he was, he knew what was happening. He prayed for it to happen. Jesus knew what was happening and he stretched out his arms for me. And, you know, whoa, so what are you saying, Tony? Was Samson a type of Christ? No. Samson was me. Samson was me. I need to die. I need to stretch out my arms. The apostle says it this way. I crucify the flesh daily. I need to die. Samson wasn't a type of Christ. He was a type of me. I need to stretch out. I need to give up my life so that I can live the life that he's called me to according to his purpose and plan. Have his blessings. Have his inheritance. Oh, and by the way, how about my kids? How about your kids? Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please.